Hello, my beautiful people. Welcome to Permission to Think. I'm Edwin Rustrian, and I'm glad you're joining me today. Thank you to all of you who week after week tune in to Permission to Think. My desire is to push our thinking, encourage you, and remind you that there's always hope, regardless how bad things get. I hope this podcast has blessed you and added value to your life. For more information, please visit erustrian.com. Today's episode, I would like to share some things I learned from being married for 22 years. I truly hope that my experience can perhaps help you in your journey of life, whether you're married, single, or engaged. But before I do, let me just share the first thing I learned about being married, um, and that is that I know nothing. And um, you might be saying, well, why are you going to talk about what you learned in over 22 years? And the reason why I have to state that the first thing I learned is that I know nothing is because life is always changing. It's always shifting. It's consistent in that it always surprises with new things in life. And as an individual, we all grow. As an individual, we change. Uh, a person who evolves over the years what we think about when we are 20 is very different than what we think about when we're 40. Um, as the years go by, um, your spouse will evolve. They will change their new ideas, their new concepts, uh, new philosophies. Maybe they grow in their faith. And so it is important that both are growing. But through those growth spurs and through the process of life is that we can either draw closer or we can drift apart. So that everything in marriage, as new as it may feel in the beginning, we evolve as individuals and collectively, which makes marriage uh, ever more difficult. And I think that many times when you don't have children and you begin in your marriage, you begin to uh, adjust. You're adjusting to each other's personality, way of life. You're adjusting to how you respond to one another, to uh, your habits. And then when the children come around, then you have to adapt to how you want to parent your child. Um, you may adapt your parent's way of um, parenting, or you may develop your own. Um, you must be in agreement whether you're going to, which if you are growing in a, in a household of faith, which faith are you going to teach your child? There's a lot of questions that come about, and after your children are growing, then do you going to shield them? Are you going to protect them? Are you going to uh, educate them? Are you going to protect them? Are you growing so that you can give your children something meaningful in their life? And as the children become older, they become teenagers, their needs change, they become more expensive, they become more, uh, you have to be more watchful and responsible for them. And then if you have both uh, spouses that work, how are you going to manage the idea that you are uh, responsible for the children in the household while you're managing your job and your career? And then you have your in-laws and you have your parents and seasons. And after two decades of being married, you know, um, sharing some of my life experiences that um, I must say that um, some of them have been great and wonderful and some of them have been really hard and painful but it's the approach and what you have committed yourself to 
that will ultimately lead to great results and great a great marriage. So I, I started first by prefacing that I know nothing. And the reason why is because it also allows me to keep my heart and my mind open to learn new things, to grow and to develop so that I can be a better husband, so that I can be a better father, so I can be a better son, so I can be a better brother. And so all of these things are very important to me. So overall, um, what I wanted to just begin sharing with you is that uh, marriage is a blessing. It is one of the most beautiful things that one can experience in life. But at the same time, it's one of the most uh, difficult uh, things that one can do in life because it requires great humility. And quite often, um, many marriages fail because of pride. They Many times we don't know how to use our words or how to even speak to one another. We fight for the desire to be right, not for the desire to love, not for the desire to peace, not to for a desire to grow one another. Uh, we have many times unaddressed selfish ambitions that we come into marriage. We have this paradigm that marriage is going to be what we think we want it to be, not what it will really be. And so um, I have a, a, a saying that in love, there's nothing in marriage, only what we all bring into it. So if you bring love, there will be love. If you bring patience, there will be patience. And if there is a baggage of bitterness, resentment, um, and you're looking to just be in a relationship so that you can get out of your own house and to another uh, I think that's the greatest mistake anyone can make. You must be able to address all of, a lot of those shortcomings before you begin to share your life with someone because if you don't, it's going to make the burden even heavier to bear on both. So I don't take marriage lightly. Um, after 22 years, I have learned, I have grown, but at the same time, I have seen my wife grown, um, which I'm going to share a lot of our relationships. So you know, I do want to be forthcoming and transparent in saying that the great lessons that I have come across in life have have come at a, a great deal. Uh, they have taken years to learn and to live through. Um, they didn't happen overnight. And some of these things I'm, I'm currently still learning how to adjust. Um, I have made many mistakes that have hurt me and my wife and have in many ways challenged our faith, our commitment to God and ourselves. And I don't want to make light of any situation or diminish any experience, but uh, we have yet a long way to go. And I look forward to sharing the next 22 years with my wife uh, into that next season of what that is going to be. So, you know, I want to encourage you to just take a pause and just just listen to some of these things. Maybe they will resonate with you. Maybe they won't. Maybe they will just speak to somebody else. Right. But uh, in, in the long term of things, I hope that what my life experiences that can perhaps help you in your own personal journey so however as, as wonderful as i said before as marriage is it has many difficulties and shortcomings due to attitudes baggage unresolved past and pride i happen to think that pride might be the one the biggest one um that quite often gets in the way of of a successful uh, healthy marriage uh, it's one of those things that um we feel we hold on to a great deal um, so I hope that what I'm about to share can help you in your relationship. Um, before I, I share what I learned in 22 years of marriage, let me just say this about my wife. Um, she is uh, tenacious in her faith. Uh, I have witnessed her endure horrific pain, hurt, betrayal, and in spite of all the vicissitudes of life, um, she will not waver in her faith. 
She loves her family, her daughters, her husband. But more importantly, she loves her Lord. And I strongly believe that it's her life's purpose to live a life of integrity, a character, and a commitment that reflects who she really is in Christ. I honor and I bless my wife. She is a, a true trailblazer in our world today. Um, I have seen her um, really live up to her faith and her heart to serve others and her passion to be authentic and genuine. And, um, and many times it has come at a great price, but I have seen her kept her integrity I have seen her keep a character and her commitment to her faith. And so I, I just say that I am who I am today. I am where I am today as a man because of the woman that I have in my life. I have seen her grow as a mother, as a woman, as a person of faith. And hopefully in the next couple of episodes, I'm going to have her join me so that you may hear the great wisdom and, and love and passion that she has for others and for um, for God. And so um, hopefully then we can share a little more in depth of what we both learned in our years being together. So I'm going to split this podcast into in this episode into two episodes, two parts, um, because it's, it's I wanted to share 10 things that I learned from 22 years of marriage. And so I wanted to split them up, but we'll do the first five today, and then we'll do the other five on the next episode. But let's jump in, right? So this is 10 things I learned from 22 years of marriage. Number one, I learned to listen with intent. Uh, the art of listening is one that takes years of practice and de- to develop, but it's possible. Quite often, uh, I tell myself, stop interrupting. Listen. Every day I try my very best to ask when I'm in conversation with anyone for that matter, was I listening or hearing? Because there's a fine difference. There's a fine line between hearing and listening. Listening requires focus, requires our most sincere attention, concentration, and discipline to speak last. And quite often we, when we pause and someone speaking, it's because we want to jump in with some sort of rebuttal. And so what I've learned even to this past couple of years is to really try to hold on, really listen in intently to what is being said, particularly with my wife, what is she trying to communicate. And I often, um, you know, try to just pause, pause for a few minutes or a few seconds rather to just hear her tone, to hear what she's communicating, seeing her body language. And, and seeing what is important to her that she wants to get across. So uh, I, I often share the experience that um, it took me 22 years to learn that at times my wife does not need me to solve her problems, but to just listen. And this came about from an experience that one afternoon we were home, we both had gotten from work, and she was telling me about her day, and and suddenly I tried to jump in to think that I had to solve a problem because that's that's who I am, you know, as, as, as a leader and things that I do. And I'm always trying to figure out how to solve problems. It's just the way my mind works. And so she stopped me right there and then in the middle of a sentence that she was saying. And she was like, whoa, 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 stop. I don't need you to solve my problem. I just need you to listen. And so that has stayed with me to just kind of just just hear her out and just speak last, you know. Don't be in a rush, you know. Uh, H. Norman Wright, he wrote that 
there are three components of communication. So when we're communicating, Norman Wright identifies these three components, and that is content, tone, and nonverbal. So the research he conducted showed that much of the messaging that we do is 7% content, 38% tone, and 55% nonverbal. Confusing messages are often sent because the three components contradict one another. So think about this. Your content that you're sharing in a conversation with your wife or with your spouse is only 7%. How you say it, what's the tone that you're using, it, it, it often, if not, and, and all of us can agree that have been married for a while, how you say things matter. You know, if you say it sarcastically, if you say it with, uh, uh, with a little edge, or when you say it uh, begrudgingly, if you say it with a sense of um, optimism, would you say it with pessimism, or if you say it disrespectfully, your tone matters. And what about your nonverbal cues? I, I always think like nonverbal cues are the highest way of uh, more effectively that we communicate and we understand each other. I think sometimes watching a person's facial expressions, right? Like that says a lot, body language, right? All these nonverbal cues allow the person to really understand, well, how are you saying this? And this is what I'm understanding. So one of the things that I shared before in other podcasts is that there were times in our conversations that I would pause and I would say, whoa, 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 listen, um, when you're speaking, what you're saying right now, this is what I'm hearing and this is what I'm understanding. Is this what you mean to say? Is that what you really want to say? And, and quite often she'll be like, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying this. Oh, wait a minute, but your tone is, is saying this. This is what I'm under. Oh, okay, so let's clarify that. And I can't tell you how much that has helped me in my marriage that Every time I come across and we're having a very, very deep conversation about something or we're discussing something that is very serious, it's that never to take anything personal. But when things get really, really um, in-depth, one must, be, must stop and ask, wait a minute, this is how I'm understanding. Is, is this what you're trying to say? So because I'm reading tone, right, I'm listening to that, and I'm also watching those nonverbal cues. And so when those nonverbal cues are not all cohesive, it does confuse the messages that we're sending. So confusing messages are often sent because the three components contradict one another. So think about how do you communicate in your marriage? How do you communicate nonverbally? How about your tone? This was, and at times it still is, a challenge for me because I have a tendency to let my tone impact what I'm trying to communicate. And I am very passionate about the things that I feel dear in my heart, you know, whether we have in a some sort of philosophical discussion or religious discussion or, 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 or a political discussion or whatever may be at home or we're talking about uh, literature or, or anything that, that I'm really passionate about, music or art or speaking or leadership, right? I'm very passionate about just sharing. So sometimes I have to watch my tone and I have to see, wait a minute, I think I was a little, a little abrasive in the way that I was coming out or I was a little too aggressive or a little too eager or constantly evaluating that. So then I decided to implement the five second rule before I speak. And so that has allowed me to listen to my wife more intently. It has allowed me to key in on keywords to read the tone and also her nonverbal cues. And so when we're having these discussions, which recently have been had lately a lot more because of some things that we're working through, um, it has allowed me to really have these really thoughtful, reflective, and positive conversations that we're laying out some plans, we're talking things through, we're praying things through, and it has really allowed me to kind of step back and say, you don't have to own the conversation. 
Um, quite often we think that the person who speaks the most controls the conversation, but it's the person who is always asking questions, the one that truly controls the conversation. So in my life so far, it's worked about 85% of the time, depending on the moment, depending on the topic, depending on my mood, my feelings, or whether I'm hungry or tired. And believe it or not, all those things do add up into our interactions with our spouses. If I'm coming home from a very long day at work, I am exhausted. I am tired. My wife knows not to ask me for any major decisions at that time. You have to catch me when I am well rested, when I am in, my, in the right frame of mind. Because as, as men, we can be very um, dismissive. You know, sometimes women, um, I believe sometimes the character is like, well, I want to solve this right away. We, we need to take care of this. And as men, we're just wired a little differently. And that's okay. Like for me, that was the biggest challenge in, in, our, in our beginning years of, of marriage because I process things differently. And I would just say something anything to just get rid of the pressure of having to deal with something and then it will come later on at a greater cause because I just said something that I just wanted to get rid of the question or her you know and so some of the, the things that, that I had to grow through is that I had to address listen when I'm tired when I'm hungry it just just let's not talk about anything that is so it's so heavy or so particular to decision making let's get some rest let's eat some food and um, we're, we're going to work on this together. And so for me, that well, first part, and I know I'm spending a great deal of time on this, is that I learned to listen with intent and how to communicate better with my wife. Number two, I learned to respect her. Uh, when we were dating, I remember that we got into a little argument and I went to raise my voice at her and she stopped me right away. And then she said, my father doesn't speak to me that way. I'm sure I'm not going to let you do that to me. You're not going to disrespect me. She knew her worth, and it's one of the reasons that I was attracted to her. She knew her worth. I learned to respect her as a person with her own identity, her dreams, her vision, her personality, her infectious laughter that I loved. I loved so much the way she would just laugh, you know, with passion, and it just this beautiful, beautiful face would just light up. Um, I learned to respect her purpose. I learned to see her as a child created in the image of God. I learned to respect her opinion, her mind, her intellect, her abilities, and not feel threatened and undermined by her strength. And quite often, you know, it, you know, we, we try to um, undermine our, our, our spouses when, when we ourselves can possibly feel insecure or inferior or our value is diminished. So I learned to respect her as a person. So quite often, you know, um, I'm, I'm a little, um, sometimes I'm a little picky on certain things when people say, hey, uh, guys, I want you to meet Evan's wife. You know, um, I, I always find like, you know, introduce her as the person first, you know, say her name, you know, and that happens to be the second part because I feel sometimes that people lose their identity in their spouses. You know, it's, it's like, you know, when you have someone that has really been really successful and like the spouse takes the back, um, the backstage or something like that. And when in reality, anyone who's ever experienced true success in life knows that the spouse is actually the one as much responsible for the person's success than the person who has actually earned it. Why? Because of the sacrifices that the spouse has made in the, in the background, because of the hard work that they have put in the commitment to be committed to a, to in a relationship to a person who, is, who has such a demanding schedule. And those things are quite often overlooked, overlooked by the media, overlooked by the people who are given these accolades. No, 
Give the person the proper place that belongs in that person's life and is to identify and to call them for what they are. They have their own identity. And so for me, my wife, I had to, I, I learned, I learned to respect her as a woman, as a mother, as a daughter, as a sister. And so when I began to see her in that light, I began to speak to her and address her very differently. So I, I learned to respect her. Number three, I learned that she is equipped and gifted to do things I'm not. Now, this is big. I learned that she's equipped and gifted to do things I'm not. She is a woman. I am a man. I could never give birth to a child. I would never know the pain, burden, responsibility, as my wife says, the joy of giving birth to our two girls. And, and I must say, that, like, my wife really was glowing when she was pregnant. She loved being pregnant, you know, and she had her little urges. She had her little uh, things that she wanted and stuff like that. But, man, did she love being pregnant with, with, with our girls. And it's like, it was such a joy and giving birth to her, to them, to her, it was the most uh, wonderful experience that she ever had. I learned that she is gifted in areas and provides for our daughters with qualities I do not possess. And here's the kicker. I am not in competition with her on that because as a man, I provide something else to the household. I bring something else. And so when we're raising children, what I learned is that the, what she brings to the table, the idea of, of, of giving herself to her children, of, of when she was either breastfeeding or when she was spending time and talking to them, looking them, look at, looking at, at the girls intently in, in their eyes and singing with them, she poured all her love into them. I mean, that is something incredible. And here I am bringing my part to them as the father, as the one who loves them and cares for them and protects them and gives them the things that they need in life and sits down with them, has conversation, impart wisdom and strength and courage. All these things that are interchangeable in our, in, in, in our relationship is that our girls are getting what they need from her mother and what they need from me. And it is in that perfect balance that children grow healthy. It is in that perfect balance that when we're not in competition to say, well, you know, I give more than you do. Well, you do more than I. It's, it's not about that. It's celebrating each other's strengths. And so what my wife is equipped with, it's okay that I'm not. And so she can continue to give freely what's in her heart to give her children. I remember like she would spend uh, uh, every night singing songs to the children, to our girls, about how to memorize their address or how to remember their, their, their phone number or, 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 or spending and reading time with them and, and just playing with them and having conversations with them, showing them out, photo pictures. All these things matter. Because it's not about the material things, but it's that they can see you. Even to this day, when my when our daughters see um, our wedding pictures or pictures when we were young or things that we did, or even like today, for example, we were cleaning, we were putting some things in some boxes, and they came across my wife's pregnancy book, and they were looking and at, at at my wife, you know, when she was pregnant, and, and that was me. That was the sonogram, and having all these wonderful conversations about how we celebrated their life. And so when it comes to motherhood, also, it is something very important for us as men to, to adjust to. 
because they go through this whole change. Some women go through some serious postpartum depression. How are you going to handle that as a man? Did you expect that that was going to happen? How are you going to react? Women have been known to go through some deep depressions after they give birth. And as men, quite often, we are not ready to handle that. Should we be ready? Should we be well-read on how to support our wives when they're going through something like that and not to see it as, as, as guilt or like you're responsible for those things, but that you're sharing a life? And that's what I meant when I said earlier that what I learned about marriage is that I learned nothing, nothing in this sense because everything is new and there are things in life that are, you're not prepared to handle but it's how much you love each other that you're going to make sacrifices at times so that you can impart something beautiful into your children and be there for them. Number four, I learned to make decisions together. Uh, over the years, I, I've learned that when I made decisions on my own, it came at a great price. It came at a great expense. And over the years, my wife and I have made many blunders. And through those experiences, we learned and grew a lot. We learn how to evaluate our mistakes, how not to blame each other when things didn't work out the way we thought they should have. And this is big. Let me say this. Let me pause this for a moment. Quite often when decisions are made, particularly with big ticket items, whether it's a house or a house or a car or anything that's major, right? Like, don't make the decisions together. But when people start blaming each other, when spouses start blaming each other for when things go bad, that is a recipe for disaster. That is a that is like a, a scene that is you, we're just going to spew all these things that are hurtful, that are bitter, that are resentful, that are our lives supposedly did not plan out the way they were, they were it was meant to. I was supposed I signed up for a happy marriage. I signed up for a prosperous marriage. I signed up for all things to be great. I signed up for the, the happily ever after. Well, you know, quite often in life, things don't work out that way. What happens when a, a spouse becomes, uh, has a terminal illness? What about, God forbid, something that is going to challenge or rock your marriage? What do you do then? Are you ready and prepared for that? Or did you just make a commitment just for the good times in life? And what I learned is that when you don't blame each other and you get through those very difficult moments and you see the light at the end of the tunnel and you get through it, the love for one another grows deeper, grows more profound. The respect that you didn't walk out on me and I didn't walk out on you and that we stuck through this, it is the most, I can't explain it, it is the most incredible feeling in the world to know that someone loves you unconditionally. And that has been the journey of, of, of my marriage and my life, that there has been moments in my life where I have struggled and my wife has never once ever criticized me or judged me for where I was in my life. The, the Edwin that was at 22 is not the Edwin that you hear today. It's a very different person. And she has uh, she's placed a big part into that, who she is as a person. We learn to speak with each other, not at each other. I learned to trust her intuition and discernment, to listen to her concerns and questions. There were times in our, in our marriage where she would tell me, Evan, I, I, don't, I don't feel right about this friend that you've chosen. I don't, something about this person doesn't feel right. And I'm like, come on, sweetie, come on, babe. Like, you know, this is a good, it's a good guy, it's a good guy. And, and her intuitions, I would say 99.9% .9 were spot on. She had a sense there was something about the, the, the way she would read people or feel people that she would be like, I don't know. I don't know, honey. 
be careful with this uh, venture, be careful with this. And so I learned to to have conversations with her because as a spouse, who, who can you trust more with your life? Who can you trust more with your business if not your wife, if not your husband? Someone who loves you and cares for you and wants the very best for you. If not, what's the, what's the purpose of sharing a life together? So for me, she has been that crown jewel in my head that has always kept me in line and has always kept me focused to say, focus on the most important things in life. Continue to do what you're doing. And so when we make decisions, we learn to pray. We learn to talk them through. We learn to do communion. We learn to seek guidance. We learn to seek counsel. So these none of our decisions are ever made in a vacuum. They are made with such great thought. And at times, they work out, and many times they don't. But we own it. We own the good, and we own the bad, and we never blame each other. So when you make decisions, that's when you make decisions together, you know. Uh, I learned the importance of prayer and seeking God for direction and wisdom. I learned that two thinking heads are better than one. And here's the fifth one. Number five, I learned that emotions and feelings are not bad. Um, so I'm going to say this with a little bit of, you know, um, some a thought behind it. Because I think that quite often we dismiss our emotions. And I'm not one to... Um, too much value on emotions, but I believe that emotions are, are, are good when they are expressed in the right way and on the right moment at the right time. I learned that emotions are not bad. They are bad when we base all our decision making and life on emotions or feelings. We would never get anywhere in life until we get off the seesaw of emotions. Okay? So, however, I have learned to identify emotions, where they come from, how to properly manage them. And a lot of the emotions that we have are in our head and in our thoughts. What we think about the most creates consistent feelings. Have you not noticed that? That whatever a negative thought comes into your mind, there is that feeling, there is that emotion. When we experience something that is, uh, is of excruciating pain, emotions and feeling, when we experience something that is exuberantly joyful, Right. We, 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 we express that feeling. Right. So I have learned to see them for what they are. They are wonderful to experience, but not good to build anything on. Emotions are fleeting. But it's important for me to acknowledge when my spouse is feeling a certain way, when she is perhaps feeling rejected or dejected, when she's feeling uh, that life is pressing on her. I must be able to say, OK, why are you feeling that way? If again, here's the here's here's the leader of me, right? To say like, how can I help you? And sometimes she would say, No, I don't I don't need your help right now. I just I just want you to listen. I just want you to be by my side. I just want you to lay next to me. I just can we just watch a movie together? Can we just go figure this word? Can we just cuddle and hold, right? <laughs> like like yeah, that's real. And that doesn't require much but just my presence being there next to her to carry her through, to understand. Give yourself permission to be angry. Give yourself permission to feel hurt, to feel the pain, to feel the joy, to feel the peace. Give yourself permission to that, right? Because that's what it means to be human. But allow yourself also to understand why those feelings are there and then begin to move forward. Now, it may be quick. It may take a longer time. But the important thing is that we acknowledge the emotions, how they got there, and what is their purpose in our lives and in our marriage and our relationship and our families. In my marriage, I have understood 
understood that my wife's emotions are not bad or an inconvenience to me. It's how she communicates and shares her heart. The part that's critical is when emotions get the best of us. And then we start ignoring our spouses. We start ignoring our children. We start taking it out on our children. We start throwing pots and pants and dropping F-bombs or whatever it may be. We walk out. There's fights. There's arguments. And we cannot control it. And it gets completely, completely out of control and a total mess that our children end up suffering through that ordeal, trying to figure out, hey, is is mom and dad okay? Is the home okay, right? So it is important that we must identify these things. When we can't control them, we try to control our spouses instead. Now, this is another interesting thing. When we get a chance, right, we're not winning an argument. How many of us have actually tried to control the situation by manipulation, right? And by manipulation, through manipulation, we are controlling our spouse. We can become controlling and manipulating if we do not check our emotions, When we don't agree with our spouse on a particular topic, it is completely wrong to jump in and manipulate through guilt, through 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 some sort of of, of tactic to to persuade the other person so that it can work in your favor. That is the dangerous. When we become controlling, we diminish the value of our spouse's voice and part in the marriage. Men are different from women, and that's okay. The worst thing a spouse can do to another spouse is to constantly undermine their emotions, dictate and control what the other person feels. Quite often, I see this in marriages, where one spouse does not agree with one particular thing that the other spouse is doing or not doing, is to automatically go to guilt is to automatically go to um, the idea of, of saying, well, you're, you're wrong and you should do this and you should do that. But there's never any thought to sit down and say, hey, I want to listen to you. I want to hear why you feel this way. And sometimes the answer perhaps is so obvious that we don't want to accept it, that we want what we want, and we will do whatever we, we can at any cost until we get what we want. And that's what pride is. Pride is the consistent desire to get my way, whether it's in a good way or a bad way, but I'm not losing this one. Because after all, it's more important for me to win the argument, to win the fight, than to have peace and communion with my spouse. And this is where we get it wrong. It's always about me, my way, my way, my way. And, and, and I'm going to leave you with this story. My wife, in the 22 years that we've been married, not once has she tried to change me. Not once has she judged me in any behavior, anything that I've done. But what I have seen my wife do is get on her knees and pray for me. See, when we try to change our spouses to the way we think they should be is when we get it all wrong. It's when we start changing ourselves that ultimately it impacts our spouse for them to change. Don't try to change your spouse. Change yourself first. Grow. You know, there's a part in the Bible that says, you know, to husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. And quite often we want to make our wives to be, you know, like the, the woman on the front of the magazine, right? All beautiful and sexy. 
but you don't want her to look at anybody else or anybody to look at her. You want her to be the best cook that she can possibly be, the best housewife that she can possibly be. You want her to be the best CEO that she can possibly be, right? But what are you to her? What are you to your spouse? What are you to the family? Or maybe as a wife, you, you want a stud as a husband. You want a husband who's working hard and making, you know, more than over a million dollars. And, and, and you want it to live in a very beautiful home and a beautiful house with everything to your, to your service, right? And you want the husband to be there for your children, to be the great lover and provider for you. But what are you to your husband? And so in marriage, there is lots and lots to learn and grow. And this is why it's a lifetime commitment. And the point that I want to leave here is that it doesn't have to happen overnight. Give yourself a break if you're not in the best place in the relationship right now. But work towards improving yourself and growing yourself so that you can be of something of loving to your spouse. Don't give up on yourself. Don't give up on your marriage. Don't give up on your children. Don't give up on your family. These are seasons, seasons that have come that are difficult, and there are these seasons that come that are blessings. But what I can tell you is that when you get through those difficult moments in life, your marriage becomes stronger. It doesn't guarantee that you get through the next one, as we all saw in the pandemic, right? The rate of divorce shot up when people were in lockdown. Because it's okay that I can go to work for 10 and 12 hours a day and have to come home and just listen to my wife or my spouse or my husband for a few minutes and then we go to bed and we do it again. But it's when everyone was pressing those four walls that it really determined what marriages were made of. I hope you made it through. I hope you made it through. I hope you were able to look at the foundation that you established your household, your marriage, and your relationship in. And I hope it was something that was solid that it was a strong foundation that got you through. Because I got to tell you, when my wife and I and our family went through that, we made a commitment of what we were going to do, and we stuck by it. And in that, in that, through the pandemic, was the most creative one that I've had yet, that we've had yet. A book came out of it, a podcast came out of it, productions came out of it. And so it's what we turned to. We didn't turn to drugs. We didn't turn to vices and binging. We didn't turn to depression. We didn't turn to any of that. Thank God. We had a plan for that heart, for, the, for, those, for, that, for those two years that we went through. I'm not saying that it was all peach and roses. But there were tough moments, but we knew that our foundation was solid. And so the words that I'm giving to you today is that don't give up. Don't give up. I'm going to share the next five next week but i'm going to leave you with our quote of the day and that quote comes from stephen covey and it says most people do not listen with the intent to understand they listen with the intent to reply till next time my beautiful people remember never compromise integrity for comfort stay strong bye-bye